All right, let's turn the Word of God to Matthew 26. And while you're turning there, I just want to make note. I got a, uh, I talked to uh, preacher Alverson the other day, and uh, all the stuff going on in the Ukraine, and and he's been to the Ukraine several times as well. His wife has gone there and spoke in ladies' meetings and things, and so <clears throat> they have some uh, families. Uh, that they knew in the Ukraine that are uh, coming to the United States. And so here it mentions that, uh, well, when he wrote this, they were in Germany getting ready to fly to the States. They're in the States now. But <coughs> it says they're making a venture of faith, and they decide to cross the ocean hoping to get immigration status when they arrive in the U.S. Please bathe them in fervent prayer, especially these next few days, uh, the endeavor is very expensive, and they desperately need some financial support. Please pray with us about this matter, and if God should touch your heart to help, please uh, uh, let us know, and uh, thank you for praying. They, they left, it says, uh, they left Odessa, Ukraine, which is uh, a, a beautiful city. I've been there with just a few possessions in their suitcases, and they really need our prayers. So, you know, we, you know, we had on our sign, pray for the Ukraine. Well, you know, we can pray for them, and then if the Lord gives an opportunity to help them, we don't help them. I mean, uh, that doesn't really go with what we, what we, what we, with the prayers, right? So uh, do pray about that. May the Lord give wisdom, and maybe we can talk about that Wednesday night or something, maybe how we can uh, uh, help, help those families there because they're, you know, it, we're not just sending it to some organ, big organization out there that, you know, uh, who knows what they do with the money? But if we know somebody that has, uh, with a family they know, and we can help somebody personally, I think that'd be a, I think that'd be a great, great blessing. So something to something to think about there. All right, Matthew twenty six, and I'll read verses twenty six through thirty. Matthew twenty six, verses twenty six through thirty. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples. And said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Excuse me, saying, This is my body. He gave them a cup, saying, Drink, eat all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, well, I just I, I love that verse. When they'd sung in him, man, can you imagine singing with Jesus? Singing with Jesus. Singing a hymn about him with him. Amen. That'd be nice. They went out into the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26, verses uh, 26 through 30. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, again we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just praise you and glory in you and boast in you. And Lord, uh, declare you are the worthy Lamb of God that hung on that old rugged cross and shed your divine blood on our behalf. And we thank you that that blood is still working on our behalf right now. Lord, uh, you brought that blood to heaven. and We believe it's working on our behalf right now. And we thank you for that. Lord, again, we pray if somebody's listening or uh, here tonight that's not saved, God, convict that heart, save that soul. Lord, we pray for those that need encouragement tonight. 
God, please come and let them get help and encouragement through the Word of God. We pray for the physical uh, needs tonight. We think of us, especially Sister Barnett. And Lord, uh, work out the insurance situation there or something. Give wisdom there. And Lord, uh, Sister Sarah, Lord, we think of Lisa and Lynn's uh, mother as well and others that have physical needs. Lord, we think of uh, Sister Clark, even with the vehicle. Lord, you care about that. Give wisdom about that. Lord, we think about this family from the Ukraine. And Lord, uh, we pray for their needs. And Lord, if uh, you'd have us to help them and uh, just other things that are upon our heart, God, we, we pray that we trust you with them. Now, Lord, again, continue to teach us and guide us through your word that you'd get the glory thereby. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, tonight, uh, so I just want to, I'm going to do a lesson this morning. We took the Lord's Supper, and so I know I, uh, every once in a while I'll teach on it, so I thought since we took it, it'd be a t- good time to, again to go through a, a lesson on that and just remind us some things about the Lord's Supper, that it's not just some religious ritual, you know, and oh, it's, uh, I mean, it just happened to be uh, the resurrection Sunday happened to be Easter, so we took it that day, but we didn't necessarily take it. Oh, you're supposed to do it on Easter, or you're supposed to do it on a, on a certain day, right? And so uh, it's important that we understand that, right? That that's one of the ordinances of the church. So I just wanted to give a little uh, more understanding and make sure that it's, it's clear. So let's uh, do a lesson here together. The Lord's Supper is a memorial meal initiated, of course, by the Lord Jesus Christ on the eve of his passion, symbolizing his death and blood and atonement for sin. And, of course, we just read uh, these verses again. Notice verses uh, 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 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them again and drink ye all of it. Amen. Uh, it's sort of interesting. He says drink all of it. Of course, he gave all of it, didn't he? He gave all of his, his blood. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Exciting verses. And so uh, the, the Word of God plainly tells us the Lord's Supper is a memorial. And, of course, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Luke twenty two nineteen again, where it's mentioned, says, And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So, in other words, you're not just going through a religious ritual. You're supposed to think about him and him hanging on that old rugged cross and him shedding that blood. Again, it's a time of reflection. Of course, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 11. We'll, be, uh, we'll, we'll, of course, be looking at several things there. That's an important chapter to learn some things about it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25 say this. And when, of course, uh, Paul talking about the, the night that we just read about there in Matthew, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This again, here's it again, do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft. Notice that statement. As ye drink it in remembrance of me. And that statement, as oft, 
and we'll look more about that, is an important statement uh, statement there. So <clears throat> we see this, that it's a, it's a memorial. And again, it's a, it's a picture. Notice again, verse 26. Notice again, uh, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, notice this statement, ye do show, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That word show means to declare, right? To declare plainly, to declare openly, to declare aloud, if you will. It also means to celebrate. So when we're taking the Lord's Supper, just like when we take baptism, right? When somebody gets baptized, what are they doing? Through through, through an outward action, right? They're showing that what they believed on to get saved, right? Somebody's, they're a babe. babe. Babes aren't too good at explaining things normally, right? I mean, you know, if uh, Lord willing, I'm getting ready to have a grandson um, uh, uh, be born here soon. I don't expect, uh, well, the first time I see that baby, he's, he, he's going to look up and say, all right, everybody gather around and let me explain to you what just took place here. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen, okay? I'd be shocked. Matter of fact, I'd probably have my first heart attack right then, right? Well, you know, hey, when you get born again and you're a babe, you know, God, you don't expect somebody right after they get saved to say, now if everybody gather around, I'd like to expound on the theological ramifications and applications of the Abrahamic covenant and how they apply to this dispensation. We don't expect that to happen, amen? But God gave some ways that a new believer can still be a witness, right? When somebody stands in the water, they're saying, hey, you're seeing through this outward action that when I got saved, I believe Jesus died for me. And then when I go under this water, I'm saying with an outward action, I believe Jesus was buried for me. And when I come back out of that water, I'm saying through an outward action that you can see, I believe Jesus rose again the third day for me. That's why we baptize by immersion. And the Bible teaches that's the only biblical form of baptism. That's scriptural baptism. We don't care about religious baptism. We care about scriptural baptism. And then now also when we take the Lord's Supper, that's what we're doing. We're not just doing a religious ritual. When we, when we uh, uh, hold the, the bread there, if you will, uh, we're saying, hey, I believe that Jesus gave his body for me. When we drink that uh, fruit of the vine, if you will, we're saying, I believe, and I'm not afraid to say it publicly, I believe Jesus gave his body for me, and I'm not afraid to say publicly, I believe in the power of the blood, and that he gave his blood for me. So he gives us, we do show, we give a testimony, and we're glad to do it in front of, we're not ashamed of something, you're not afraid to do it in front of, not afraid, shouldn't be afraid to get baptized in front of people, and shouldn't be afraid to say in front of people, I believe Jesus. Jesus was my substitute. And so he gives us ways of doing that and proclaiming that. So notice that statement in verse 26. Ye do show. You declare plainly. Hey, Lord, I want you to know I believe you did it. You gave your body for me and shed your blood for me. And I want those around me. And I don't care if the whole world knows that I believe Jesus Christ was my substitute. So of course, and then the Lord's uh, Supper is to be practiced in the church. It's very clear, right, that this is a church ordinance. Again, let's notice some verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First of all, notice this statement, 
when ye come together in the church. Notice that statement. When ye come together in the church, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 11, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Notice verse 20, again that statement. When ye come together, look at this, therefore into one place. Wow, they had one place that they came together. So the people of God gathering together in one place sounds, sounds biblical to me. It says right there they gathered in one place. This is not to eat uh, the Lord's Supper. Verse, uh, verse 33, wherefore, my brother, here it is again, when ye come together. Notice how often that statement is made, when ye come together. Verse 34, now, of course, you got to remember, they're coming together as a church, but he's also getting on to them at the same time. He, he's sort of rebuking them for when they come together, not doing it right. Boy, them Corinthians are in about everything. He talks to them. He gives them some right principles, but he also rebukes them for doing some doing things wrong. But he says in verse 34, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that look, ye come not together unto condemnation. In other words, we want, you want you to come together, but we want you to come together for the right reason, and we want you to do things the right way when you get there. So, hey, we need to come together, but it matters how we come together, and it matters that we do things the right way when we are together, that we do them according to the principles of the Word of God. And so that's what he's saying. You need to, hey, that's great you want to do this, but make sure that you're doing it according to the Word of God. Hey, just showing up and throwing uh, uh, the name church out there and, and, and doing a bunch of religious stuff, hey, that means nothing to God if it's not done according to Scripture. God, Jesus doesn't care how much you throw his name around if you're not doing things to the Word of God. What you're doing doesn't mean anything to him. Right? He, matter of fact, he'd probably prefer you not to use his name. Because many, what are they going to say? Hey, didn't we do a lot of things in your name? Well, you might have done some things in his name, but you didn't do them according to the word of God. Amen? There's a big difference. We want to glorify his name. We don't want to just use his name. We want to glorify his name. And you glorify his name when you use his name by doing things according to the word of God. So, we see it's a practice for the local church. Now, uh, there's normally three uh, thoughts concerning the Lord's Supper or three practices. Some people, uh, they say, well, we practice open, right? Which means normally anyone that is saved. So they might come in and they might be a Methodist or a Presbyterian or whatever. They say, well, hey, I'm saved. And we say, well, hey, as long as you know you're saved. And so sort of that way. Then there's what's called close. Not only do they say, hey, to take it with us, you have to be saved, but you have to be of like faith. You have to be of like faith. So we'd say you'd have to, in our case, you'd have to be an independent, fundamental, premillennial, king, Jim, and all that stuff, you know, all those stuff we like to rattle off. But we believe it, amen. Right, at least I do, and I'm sure you do. And then there's what's called closed, closed. And that means you not only have to be saved and of like faith, but you have to be a member of that particular local church in good, may I add, in good standing. We'll look at that, in good standing. Now, if I, you know, now you might, people might go back and forth. Now, I know some people that make this a matter of uh, separation and supplication or whatever it is, uh, you know. Now, I think if you have to choose one, personally, I choose closed. I think it's better to practice closed communion. Now, I don't make a, a big you know, deal out of them in the sense like, oh, well, you know, uh, separation. But I just think 
if you have to choose one, I think that's the best one to choose. I think the Bible uh, makes it most other things in the Bible are closed, right? Uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm, if you go on vacation, I'm glad you go on vacation. But if you visit a church, you don't give your tithe and missions to that church, right? You say, well, no, we'll pay our tithe and missions when we, we get back or we'll pay them before we go. So sort of a, a thought a thought there. But let's, let's move on. Each church as the body of Christ is to observe the Lord's Supper after the scriptural order. Let me give you a, a verse, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Now notice this, it says, now ye are the body of Christ. Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now ye are the body of Christ. It's not just mentioning the body of Christ, right? It says ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now who's he writing to? He's writing to a local church. I don't think this is a statement just concerning the universal body or or church. He's talking to a church. Ye are the body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ here. Right? I believe this is written to a local church, and so the local church is to observe. The church is responsible to oversee every aspect of the work of God, right? I believe God gave, personally, I believe God gave his authority to the local church. Sometimes people will say, well, why do you do that? Why? Where is that in Scripture? Well, listen, I say, hey... I believe God gave his authority to the local church. If that local church decides to meet at a certain time, well, then that's the, 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 uh, the, the, those that are members of that local church should abide by it or whatever the case is. So the church is responsible, again, to oversee every aspect of the work of God and to maintain doctrinal and moral purity for that local church, right? Doctrinal and moral purity. To me, doctrine's a big thing. It's a big, it's a big deal to me. That's right. And it should be a big deal to us. Maintain doctrinal and moral purity. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 13 say this. Of course, you know there were some things that weren't right going on in, in the church there. He says, but now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. That means right? Fellow believer, be a fornicator or a covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extorter, which and one know not to eat. That's talking about a fellow believer doing those things, getting away from God. For what have I to judge? Now notice this statement. Notice this verse. What have I to judge them also, look, that are without do not ye judge them that are within. Within what? Well, I think within your local church. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. See, you can only have a within and a without if there's a recognized membership. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way I see it, right? I mean, you have, a, you have a club or a group. You have people, those that are in the club and those people that aren't in. So there has to be a membership. I hear people talking about, well, is there really a church membership? Yes. I think, how can you have it within and without if there isn't, if there isn't one? At least that's the way I see it, right? You can tell me your, your, your wrong understanding of that later, okay? 2 Corinthians 3.6. 
Now we command you, brethren, in the name, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every, notice the statement, brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which is, which is received, which is received of us. All right? So we see the church is responsible to maintain doctrinal and moral purity there. We, therefore, right, do believe the church has both the authority and the responsibility. Let me say this. The church, that local church, has both the authority and the responsibility to restrict the Lord's table. Those who observe the Lord's Supper privately apart from the church are ignoring the Bible pattern. Just a bunch of people getting together and, and doing that. I think you've got to be careful about those things. But I believe the church has uh, the authority, the authority there. Now, we say that, but that doesn't mean that when people, uh, like we took the Lord's Supper to, this morning, we, did, we weren't sitting there with the church roll saying, uh, so I don't see your name here or this or that. Hey, I think you need to say what you believe. And, you know, we're not going to call anybody out on that. But I think still, you need to make it clear People need to understand that, amen, that you do have a stance uh, on, those, on those things. Very important. Those who observe the Lord's Supper, again, privately from the church, are ignoring the Bible pattern. So let's look at some benefits of the Lord's Supper. Try to hurry here. One, first, according to 1 uh, Corinthians eleven twenty eight. notice that again. We see there is an examination. There's an examination. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So, you know, usually after every service, we have, a, you know, we have an invitation. Now, you, I'm sure you've noticed, I, I'm not a, I believe in having an invitation, but I'm not a big invitation guy in the sense that, you know, I don't sit there and drink, uh, sing 20 stands and try to drag somebody down the, the altar. Now, hey, do I want to see people come down the altar? Of course I do, but I want to see the Holy Spirit of God do it. But if I thought the Lord was really moving and things were then, hey, I'd sing 20 stanzas. But I'm not going to do it just so I have something to call somebody and tell Monday about on Monday to tell somebody about, right? But we want the Lord to do it. But right, but still, and maybe there's people that don't come to the the altar that often. But you see, when you have the Lord's Supper, it gives a chance for somebody to be confronted with, "Hey, how are you doing with God today? How's your relationship with God today?" You know, it's one thing if you sit in that pew and walk out that door and don't come to the altar, okay? But it's another thing when we're taking the Lord's Supper to take it lightly and not do a self-examination. So it gives a good time for somebody, amen, to, to reflect and, 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 and check up on such a thing. And second, so we see examination. And then in the frame of the heart, right, we then are to what? Eat. So it gives a chance of what we call participation, examination before the participation, but hey, uh, being right with God so that we can participate together as a local church. So thus the supper becomes what? A proclamation, a proclamation of the value, the value of that wondrous death for poor sinners. Amen. We want to show people we, we value the fact that Jesus gave his body. We value the fact, amen, we're proclaiming that through taking the Lord's Supper, that we value that he gave his body. We value that he shed his blood. And then the feast has what we call a continuation. 
right? But how often? Well, the Bible doesn't say how often. It just says simply, right? Uh, the Lord said, as oft as ye eat. Well, that's that local church's decision. You know, uh, some people, they, you know, they say, well, you know, every month with a fifth Sunday, we're going to do it. Some people do that. Some people say, well, you know, we do it on uh, uh, Easter and then we, you know, do it before the kids go back to school or whatever. Hey, however that local church wants, wants to do it, that's up to that local church. But as often as you do it, be serious about it. But, you know, it's important to do it and continue. Amen. That thought. And then we see anticipation is a hallmark for the supper. Look at, again, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, right? Now, again, let me say this about uh, 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 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. It says, but let a man examine himself. Again, examine himself. Examine, let me just stop there for a second, means proving a thing. Proving a thing, whether it is worthy or not. Put to the proof. So that's what you're supposed to do with yourself before you take it. But again, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says this. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. What? Till he come. And so uh, as we take the Lord's Supper, right? Uh, as we participate and as we examine in these things, there's also an anticipation. Hey, uh, the Lord's going to come again one day, but until he does, amen, we never, uh, never want to forget what he did for us and that we're able to meet here together with peace and joy in our heart because of what this represents. Till he comes. These words remind us that the supper is not only retrospective, but it's also prospective, amen, looking for his appearing. And then, of course, it's primarily a supper for, again, recollection of the Lord in his suffering and death for our sin. Taking a moment to put all of our focus on that broken body on the cross, to put all of our focus for those moments on the shed blood, amen, that he shed for us. Such continual remembrance ought to stir the heart in love for Christ, amen, the one who died for us. And of course, then it should finish up with some adoration as we think, again, uh, our mind and heart being focused on him for those moments, a proper preparation of heart beforehand and a right attitude at the supper can't help but lead to adoration and thankfulness for what he's done. Again, he says, in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. So wonderful thoughts there concerning the Lord's Supper. So now, again, let's look at some uh, requirements for taking the Lord's Supper. There aren't many, but there, I believe there are some. One, of course, well, being born again, <laughs> right? I mean, how can you reflect and, and appreciate uh, the fact unless you've been born again? Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10 Verses 16 and 17 say this. 1 Corinthians 10, just look over there. The cup of blessing, oh, that's a good name for it. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now look at verse 17, 1 Corinthians 10. For we being many are one bread. And one body, for we are all, talking about the local church, we are all what? Partakers 
of that one bread. Amen? We've all been saved, right? If we're a member of the church, we should all be able to say we're saved. We've all put our trust in that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So to partake of it, you need to be, amen, uh, born again, a born again Christian. Then I believe you need to be a baptized member of the church, a baptized member of the church. Acts 2.41, all right, says this, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They got saved, they were baptized, then they were added. So personally, this is what I believe. I believe and have always practiced that upon baptism, a born-again person becomes a member of, the, of a local church for the first time. In other words, uh, somebody gets saved. Well, when do they become a member of uh, that local church? I believe upon baptism is when that church, if that church says, okay, hey, we, we recognize that he says he, they're saved. And so uh, as a local church, we're willing, as the authority, we're willing to, to baptize this person because we believe their profession of faith. And upon that baptism, we're saying that we're receiving that person as a member of this local church. Church. Wow, does he, uh, does he believe everything we believe? Probably not. He just got saved. Amen. Probably not. He just got saved. But, right, that's the first time. Now, after that, you, you can uh, join by statement or whatever. But the first time, I believe, is upon baptism. And I believe uh, the Bible gives uh, that, that thought. And so that's important, uh, I think, to understand. They baptized and added. So, I believe that and always practice that after somebody gets saved and the first, when they get baptized at that moment, they're recognized as a member of that particular uh, local church. So then secondly, the individual must be in fellowship with the Lord, right? This involves striving to live in obedience to the Bible and carefully confessing one sin. Again, 1 Corinthians 11 verses 29 through 31 say, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily. Notice that statement. Eateth and drinketh, notice this, damnation to himself. I mean, you think about this. He's, he's rebuking them. He's showing you it's a serious thing to partake in the Lord's Supper. Not Look at this. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Boy, there were consequences for not doing this thing right. There's consequences for taking the things of God lightly. There's consequences for taking the things of God lightly. For if we, look at this, should judge ourselves, that's what that examination's for. If we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So some very clear uh, uh, teaching there and some very clear warning when it comes to the Lord's uh, uh, Supper there. So now, now I want to talk about restricted communion. Should we restrict communion like we talked about? You know, closed, open, closed, closed. Well, let's look at some thoughts concerning that. Some object to the placing restriction on the Lord's Supper, saying we have no right to restrict the Lord's Supper. But the Bible, I think, teaches differently. Following your ways in which the Bible gives some clear restrictions or guidance in this ordinance. Again, restricted as to place, right? The church. Now, that doesn't mean it necessarily has to be this building, 
right? But, you know, if you will, when the church comes together, when the people of God are together, the authority is in the church. The authority is in the church. So restricted place, the church. Restricted as to motive. The motive has to be right. The social idea is forbidden. That's why he's rebuking them, right? Just a, just a social gathering. Hey, uh, what, what are you doing? Hey, how about let's uh, get together and have the Lord's Supper? You know, I know. Uh-uh, don't take it lightly. Restricted as to purpose. There's a purpose, right? Discerning. He said, notice that statement. He said, discerning the Lord's body. Restricted to those who are, again, it was restricted who could take it. They had to be, what? Saved and baptized. So they were restricted there. It was restricted to church members. Had to be a church member. Restricted to those who, again, who are orderly, orderly, right? Again, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, withdraw yourselves from other, every brother that walketh disorderly. Well, if you should withdraw yourself from those that walk disorderly, don't you think the Lord, in one sense, is going to withdraw himself? And uh, that person uh, shouldn't be part of taking the Lord's Supper uh, with the local church. Again, restricted to those who live correct lives, as we saw in 1 Corinthians 5. Restricted to those who are judged by the church and found worthy. Uh, Restricted to those of the same faith. I think you see a principle with that in Hebrews 13. Let me read a couple verses from Hebrews 13, 9 and 10. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. Right? says something there about the importance of doctrine. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to each which serve the tabernacle. Now the context may not necessarily be the Lord's Supper, but I believe there's a principle there that doctrine matters. Right? The people you associate with, doctrine matters. That we have an altar, well, in this case, with the Lord's Supper, that they have no right to eat. So I believe there's a, there's a principle there concerning, amen, thing, uh, who you do things with. And then it's restricted as to the elements used, right? We know there's supposed to be bread and the fruit of the vine. Jesus said this, Mark 14, 25. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Restricted as to the design or purpose of it, to remember the Lord. Luke twenty two nineteen. what this do, why? Why are we doing this? In remembrance of me. Some important thoughts. And then again, restricted as to a united church. It, 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 the, the state of each individual is important, and the state of the church is important as well. Boy, say, just say you did have a, a, a however you want to say, a, a program where you say, oh, well, we always do it on Easter. Let's just say that was the, the way you chose to do it as a local church. But then Easter comes up, and maybe the church really isn't what it ought to be spiritually at that time or, or some things are going on. Well, hey, if you really want to be scriptural about it, you say, hey, we just need to put this off for now, amen, until we get some things settled in the church because it's really not about the church. It's about, amen, the head of the church, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, that serious thought. So on top of all of these, the individual must go again, a self-examination, right? Instead of the uh, uh, self-examination being the only requirement, it's addition, amen, to other uh, uh, guidances or restrictions that we see in the Word of God. So let me finish up with this thought about a closed communion. Again, the communion is taken as a church body, the Lord's Supper is a church function. Again, how often do you see when ye come together, when ye come together, when ye come together? Each church is a body and takes its own supper. Secondly, the communion is under the church's discipline, right? Uh, the members, it's the church's responsibility, again, to exercise discipline over its members. Again, people don't take the, chair, the church as serious as they used to and as serious as they should. So if you brought church discipline up to most people, they'd laugh in your face today. That shows the sad state, amen, of Christianity uh, uh, today. This is impossible unless serious church functions and business is limited to members of that body. The church, again, is to be unified. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's the way the Lord wants the church to be when it comes together, amen, for the Lord's Supper. Uh, Philippians 2, 2, Paul said, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded and having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. The unity required by God's word is impossible except in a sound New Testament assembly among members committed to and yielded the church's teaching authority. If church business, including the Lord's Supper, is not controlled so that members only participate, it would be impossible for the church to fulfill the command of oneness of mind. So I think some, some good uh, thoughts there, some good things from the Word of God. So again, uh, you know, uh, Unless I particularly knew something about somebody, you know, I'm not going to do that. But I think the church has to have a teaching on it. The, the local church has to have a stance on it. And I think that those uh, verses that we've looked at there give a clear thought that that's, I think that's the way we ought to stand as our, as our local church, taking it as serious. Amen. We take our membership serious. We should take the things that we do as, uh, as a membership uh, serious as well. So, if you have any uh, thoughts about that, uh, let me know. But I think uh, some pretty uh, good, uh, clear teaching and good thoughts. These things matter. I'm glad we, we uh, took it together today. But remember, whenever we have this opportunity, as often as we do it, amen, we want to take it uh, serious as a local to New Testament Bible-believing uh, uh, church. Let's pray.